Welcome to the Recycle Podcast, where we discuss everyday issues from a mental health perspective. We are your hosts, Dr. Rashonda Strickland, Dr. LaFanya Jones-Hines, and Dr. Nichelle Wall. Now don't get it twisted. We're not going to be your stereotypical therapist. What we will be is informative, down to earth, a little spicy, and vulnerable. All right, interns, turn up your volume, grab your pen and paper. It's supervision time. As a reminder, this podcast is not meant to take the place of a relationship with a licensed mental health professional. Welcome back to session 45, Stained Glass. Know our interns be like, where y'all be getting these names from? <laughs> we created. Yes, mm-hmm. we do. That's we where do. we get them from. <laughs> so, guys, this session is going to be about radical acceptance. And you know, we like to give you all a definition of what we're talking about. So, here's the definition of radical acceptance it's accepting life on life's terms and accepting what you cannot or choose not to change. Ooh, mm-hmm. I like that that last part. You choose not to change. Yes. Because a lot of us be choosing. Mm-hmm. Yes. Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We don't like to believe that, though. We don't. Oh, no. We don't. We don't. I think we like to think that. Well, no, let me change that. We like to allow ourselves to think that life is happening to us instead of us handling our life and controlling our life. Mm-hmm. That's why I think a lot of people have anxiety because they keep trying to control things that they can't control. Oh, mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> we give our power away for really no good reason. I get, you know, things happen and you would prefer them to be a different way or a different set of circumstances. But at the end of the day, this is what's going on and you get to choose how you handle it, how you respond. Yeah, because the thing is, by you not accepting it, regardless, it's not going to change the outcome. No, still, it is what it is. It- <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is what it is. It is. And we, I don't know why it's so hard for us, you know, as a people to remember that, that, that life is just going to be what it is, you know? Mm-hmm. Things are going to seem like they're going really well. And then all of a sudden it's like, Oh, my car broke down and then, you know, my wallet got stolen and then I uh, ran out of gas. <laughs> yeah, no, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's going to always be something. But we have this mm-hmm. um, this idea, like we've said already, like we can control. And it puts me in the mind of a session that we talked about uh, maybe three, four sessions ago or maybe even a little bit more than that. Um, where our locus of control, mm-hmm. when we think about yeah. our successes and our failures, mm-hmm. you know, we attribute our, well, some people are going to be different. You know, some people attribute their success to internal factors and their failures to external mm-hmm. factors. Mm-hmm. And then you have people that do the reverse where they attribute their um, successes to external reasons and their failure to internal reasons. Yeah. Um, but both of those things are true all the time. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, like we were talking about before we started, 
you can't have radical self-acceptance without non-attachment. Mm-hmm. And that's the problem. What Dr. Strickland is talking about is the attachment that we associate with things, you know, your material things, your personal things or your thoughts. And if you don't get those sorts of things kind of unattached, you're going to keep going down this line of reason that makes you think that you are powerless and you can't do anything to have a better outcome in your own life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because a lot of times we get attached to, like you were saying, the external things like a house, a car, a job. And when you, I'll just use the job. When you lose a job, you want to think you were, um, it was unfair or even if it was unfair, there's still nothing you can do about it. And I'm not saying that you have to like the decision, but mm-hmm. the it, again, it is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have a, a thing about placing value. You know, just to kind of keep with the idea of the job. I mean, you know, as adults, we put a lot of value in what we do occupationally. Mm -hmm. And somehow that becomes tied to who we are and our worth as a person. So if I'm um, let go from a place, you know, sometimes that really does affect a person's Mm self-esteem and not just for a temporary, because I think all of us temporarily feel an ego blow Mm -hmm. for something like that. But for some, it really does kind of take them overboard and they really cannot recover because their value has been tied to this thing. And I'm having speaking of acceptance I'm having a hard time accepting that Mm -hmm. this was just some circumstance that probably has some legitimate reason or some uh illegitimate reasons but there are reasons nonetheless yeah and it's not always because of my character and who I am as a person yeah I mean especially if you think about like the COVID um the layoffs that COVID caused Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's it ha- it de- don't necessarily have anything to do with your being, your worth or your character. It just has something to do with they had to let people go. They had to lay people off. And a lot of people still attribute it, even though we know we are in a panini. Di- pan- yeah. A panorama. <laughs> I was trying to figure out because like, we in a lot of <laughs> But although they we all know we're in a pandemic they is still people can't accept the fact that they were let go it's that whole i should have you should have what you should have been able to mm circumstances the rest of us are in like we get into these this battle in our mind and we don't allow there to be any other option and so this Mm -hmm. option is the option that needs to take place and it's like it's really multiple options you just have your heart set on one which is fine but then some some form of rationality needs to come up that says okay so if it can't be this way how else can it be mm-hmm. yeah you have to because we have to understand that when we are not um i guess fighting against reality we can accept things better we can think about all those other options we can think about okay so this company is not the only company that provide the position that I do so I can apply to another job mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think this goes into um, something that you do with your clients that I have uh, slowly siphoned off for myself um, <laughs> is the facts versus interpretation yeah um, mm-hmm. situation uh, because you know 
I'm a fan of saying you running with your own storyline. Mm-hmm. Like you just created a whole line of thinking and just ran off with it. Yeah. Um, and we don't take time to stop back and look at what are the facts of the situation and how am I interpreting this? Am I interpreting it in a way that is um, against myself? Am I interpreting it in a way that pits me against someone else? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it really affects the way you think the way you feel and then the way you respond. Mm -hmm. But then when you, like you said, when you do that facts and interpretation and and I always tell, I always write mine on the chalkboard and when they see it, they be like, Oh, I'm not coming back. (laughs) Yes, you will. You'll be back next week. Uh (laughs) It's called enlightenment. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know (laughs) y'all. I mean, similar to what y'all were saying, I do something with my clients that's um, prove or disprove what Mm -hmm. you're thinking. Like, Mm -hmm. I need you to find the evidence. And then I need you to find the evidence that don't match up with that. Mm -hmm. And then write it down. And then you tell me if what you're thinking is what actually is going on. Because a lot of times we just run. Mm-hmm. Like man, this is how I feel, so it has to be right. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> no. Go back and listen to the session on cognitive distortions, like mm-hmm. that emotional reasoning. You know, if it's in my head and I feel it, therefore it must be true. It's like no, and you have to remind yourself that unpleasant reality can't be can't be changed. Just because it's unpleasant, it doesn't mean that you can go and change it. And a lot of and I'm gonna say this. As the example, like with uh, death, mm-hmm. you yeah. can't go back and change that. You cannot. It cannot. Death cannot be reversed unless yeah. you're Jesus. Yeah. It's <laughs> like unless you have some secret, you know, formula X that we don't know about. Mm-hmm. And in, in that case, go get rich. Yeah. I Please. I agree. And with that segue, I do want to thank all our interns that have been shooting me messages with the uh, passing of my brother. So I do want to thank y'all for that. But that is, Mm -hmm. that's a prime example of, I could definitely be dwelling on the fact that he uh, is no longer here and chose to leave the world the way he did and blame myself being in the profession that I'm in. Or I could be like, okay, let me focus on the things that are great about the relationship that we had. Let me focus on the, the benefit of having him as one of my siblings, it doesn't mean that it's not going to hurt. Right. But oh, it yeah. does mean, okay, I, I get a choice in how I'm going to process this. And mm-hmm. how you're going to grieve. Because exactly. a lot of times people get stuck in grief because we grieve in an unhealthy way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's hard, it, especially in, you know, no offense to anyone who has been in this position, but especially when a parent loses a child Mm -hmm. because Dr. Strickland says all the time that goes in the opposite order of what it's supposed to, Mm -hmm. what's supposed to happen. And so of course it's going to be difficult for you to grieve your, you losing your child, but it still can't be reversed. Yeah. No, you, you can't unwill it. Mm. Like it is, it is what it is. <laughs> I know we go say that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and either you're going to move with it or you're going to get left behind and you're going to be stuck in yeah. that trauma. Mm-hmm. I think something that complicates all of that is our idea of what we're supposed to look like. Mm-hmm. You know, if you talk about yeah. grief or even success, mm-hmm. you know, we have an idea that somewhere somehow has been implanted Mm -hmm. that things are supposed to look a certain way. You know, I've talked with clients before that have had, you know, they're dealing with grief specifically and they say, well, I I haven't been crying. 
And it's like, okay, you don't have to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, well, who said that you had to have tears? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, everyone says, you know, they keep asking me, am I all right? You know, are you sure? You know, mm-hmm. you haven't, you haven't been emotional. And it's like, well, if that's necessary, it will happen when it needs to happen. And you have to be mindful of the type of relationship you had with the person who yeah. is deceased. If it was your mother, it was your brother, your father, child, friend, aunt that you didn't see all the time like all of those emotions and reactions to the death is going to be different Mm -hmm. yeah I mean that you can apply that even to you know when we're talking to our clients about relationships and I'm not married yet or I don't have any children or whatever the situation may be we have this ideal in our head about these situations need to come out looking this specific way. And it goes back to a session we had a while ago when sometimes you need to ask yourself, is that even what I want? Mm -hmm. Just because society says this is what we're supposed to go after, or this is the way things need to look and pick fence, 2.5 kids, dog, cat, Mm -hmm. um, gerbils. Like (laughs) (laughs) sometimes we need to be like, I don't even like kids. Why would I want to be somebody mama? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or, okay, I do. I love kids. So, ooh, maybe I want a whole bunch. So I need to, you know, kind of plan that out. Mm-hmm. Like, at, there's a point I in I want to be an auntie. Don't, why are you looking at me? <laughs> don't show them. And, I don't have uh, a potential. <laughs> my brother. So that's what I, I have realized <laughs> and have accepted. I want to be a childless person Mm. and that is okay. okay. You know, uh, because it's just, I love children Mm -hmm. and I have no problem with children, but I know that's just not something that I want from my life. Mm -hmm. I like the way that my life is set up. I like the Mm -hmm. freedom that I have. I like the financial, uh, stability that I have with that. And if I want to go and do something, I don't have to check in or, you know, get assistance with anything, Mm -hmm. but baby, I cannot wait to be an auntie, <laughs> uh, you know, cause they will be my surrogate child. Uh, shout out to, um, Hollywood. She knows who she is. Uh, you know, <laughs> that's who I'm looking to be. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. But it comes with a level of acceptance and not feeling that pressure. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. while my parents never specifically pressured me about having, um, children, it is something that I pressured myself because I knew it was something that, um, they wanted it was expected it mm-hmm. you know it was a, but it was a not self-imposed forced, in, expectation yeah. mm-hmm. that's the weird thing about mm-hmm. it it's not something that they ever were like so you're gonna have kids you're gonna have kids when you're gonna have kids, mm-hmm. you're gonna have kids. Mm-hmm. you know it was never anything like that but I imposed this belief that okay well because I'm at this age and I'm married um that's the natural order of things that you know first comes love then comes marriage then comes baby in the baby carriage mm-hmm. and it's like wait hold on <laughs> I don't think I want that Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you know for years I waned back and forth on that idea Mm -hmm. like for a very long time until it came to a point it was like no I'm good like I can accept that I will be you know the childless friend or the the childless aunt and that's okay for me Mm -hmm. and being able to like come out and actually be comfortable saying that Mm -hmm. knowing that just the way you know our society is set up that people are going to say well you might change your mind one day and I'm like do you know how old I am (laughs) (laughs) um but being comfortable in like no I won't Mm -hmm. I'm good you know that it takes a lot of work to be able to get to that point 
And it's unfortunate and not just in this specific situation, but a lot of people just don't want to do that kind of internal um, search Mm -hmm. to find what the answer is for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And you have in any situation that you're in or any decision that you make, you have to determine what led to that moment for you to make that decision. Like this is how it happened. I I sat down and I thought about it and I like the way my life is. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to have kids. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think another area where there's a difficulty with like that radical kind of acceptance is um, parents towards their children mm-hmm. and the decisions that their children make. Yeah. Um, Cause you know, we work with a lot of parents that really and truly live from a place of guilt mm-hmm. and fear related to their children. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and even the younger ones, you know, they parent their children from a place of fear and guilt mm-hmm. or shame in some, t- uh, in some aspects, uh, but have a hard time accepting that even though I wasn't the perfect parent, that once my child becomes an adult, it is now their choice to live their life the way they're going to live it. Mm-hmm. And as much as I may want and desire more for them, I have to accept if they don't want it for themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's a hard place to be. Yeah. And, and you know, I think the other thing um, to tie into the child parent is parents have a difficult time accepting their children are now young adults. I have oh, the boy. most parents the, I have so many parents that have 18 year olds mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. so hard for them to transition into another phase of parenting. Yeah. Yeah. I tell my folks all the time, parenting is a job you work yourself out of. Mm-hmm. You going to get fired. You always <laughs> going to be their parent, right? but you don't need to parent them in the same way. You have to transition into a level of, friendship and I don't mean that as in you know you just letting them do whatever they want to do no boundaries none of that I'm saying there comes a time when people are growing and they need to no longer be coddled or smothered Mm -hmm. by their parents they need to be able to go out on their own and figure things out and make their own choices with you still supporting them and support does not mean that you agree right Yeah. I usually give when I have um, like that kind of phase of life issue with some parents, I'm a visual talker, Mm -hmm. like in my sessions and stuff. And I usually give them the visual of, so when your child is a child, you are kind of like they're in a wheelchair and you push them and you guide them. Like you really control the direction that they're going and how they're moving. As they transition in age, it's more like they, the child begins to walk a tightrope. Mm-hmm. They have their balance stick. You know, that's all the other resources that they can use. And you become the safety net at the bottom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if they fall off of the tightrope, you are there to catch them and support. But all you do is you hover in the background. Mm-hmm. You don't do anything else. You don't influence their choices. You don't, um, you know, you don't direct whether they're going to stay on top and, you know, and balance things out. But mm-hmm. you're there in the event that they need you Mm -hmm. because of the relationship that you built with them, that you're able to even be that safety net for them. Yep. I like that. Yeah, I do too. But you definitely, you also have to uh, mm, teach them how to not, uh, you, you use it uh, in your sessions with your parents, uh, not to allow them to call you, treat you 
in a way that is conflictual. Like I need mama. Oh yeah. Yeah. I oh. can't remember how you oh, describe yeah. it. You can't have both. You know, you can't want me to be, you know, so you can't want, this will be on the child's end. Mm-hmm. You can't want your parent to not parent you. You want them to treat you like an adult, respect my choices. This is my life. I can do what I want to do. But then backdoor that with, but I need you, but uh, Mm -hmm. please help me. And I no. if you want to be treated like an adult, you have to speak to your parent like an adult, you know, problem solve with them like Mm -hmm. an adult. Um, But if you want them to treat you like a child and still support you, then you're going to have to be okay that you're not going to be given all of this freedom of choice and things like that. Mm -hmm. Those two ideas can't exist in the same space. Yeah. Yep. But a lot of people try to make them. Yeah. So we do have to accept um, or practice acceptance with not only our mind, but our body and our spirit. We Mm -hmm. have to make sure that, um, you know, we do some mindfulness exercises, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like taking deep breaths and things like that and using your posture and everything to make you f- to help you to get the oxygen that you need. So because self-acceptance is not easy. And mm-hmm. so you do have to do some exercises to help you begin to accept the reality of what's going on in your life. Yeah, it goes back to what we often talk about with um, Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of needs radical self-acceptance is is the highest it's it's mm-hmm. all the way at the tippy tippy top mm-hmm. so the top the of the triangle <laughs> maybe yeah. when you said that made me think of pooty uh what yes pooty time <laughs> yeah tippy tippy time on a, yeah that <laughs> i was like wait what'd she say that <laughs> but you have to realize it takes a lot to get to that and it's not something that once you get it one time you're just automatically guaranteed to have it it's something that you have to consistently practice at and work to be you know us trying to get to be our higher selves is not a place of like hoarding knowledge or hoarding riches or whatever it's it's actually the opposite you become more and more free and it's more accepting of you know other people and things around you it becomes really a place of love and unfortunately um especially here in the states we don't really have a lot of that going on yeah Mm -mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> at all you know yeah yeah we're really good at not accepting others <laughs> oh yeah we're great at it yeah, yeah we built a whole nation on it <laughs> how about uh, that one okay <laughs> wow uh, no go ahead i'm sorry no i was just gonna say radical acceptance helps us to stop fighting reality and mm-hmm. it helps yes. us to stop responding with impulsivity mm-hmm because that allows us to engage in destructive behavior and that impulsiveness allows us to, to behave in, uh, behave destructively. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, this, uh, gives me the idea. Uh, I think this was something one of our therapists, um, at balance beacon, he kind of uses this, that life is simple, but hard mm-hmm. and the easy stuff is complicated. Hmm. Um, which is so true. You know, it's, it's simple to just communicate, just say what you need to say, mm-hmm. but we find it so hard to actually do. Cause they should know. Yeah. Cause that means I either have to accept some truths about myself Yeah, that I'm either, mm-hmm. you know, not as great as I think I am, or I'm not as effective or whatnot. Um, so then I go the easy route and I don't say anything, but then that further complicates the situation. 
But see, that's the thing. If we would learn how to accept it, we break that cycle of suffering mm-hmm. and bitterness and unhappiness and anger, yeah. shame, guilt. Like, Because non-acceptance is exactly that. It yeah. is suffering. You have shackled yourself to, like we were saying earlier, these specific set of ideals um, and you are severely attached to what you feel your life should be thoughts, actions, whatever. And that's not really going to get you anywhere. It's actually going to make you drown. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, that's literally what's going to go on. And it, it becomes a very sad tale. You know, we as therapists, we see it all the time, you know, that cycle of, okay, I'm doing good. And then something ends up happening and I fall back into it. And then, oh my gosh, my life is over. It must, it must not be whatever, blah, blah, blah. And then they get back to a good place. And then that, as you know, your teachers would say that stinking thinking comes back up and it just keeps you in this loop. Mm -hmm. But as soon as that for real light bulb comes on in our clients and they're like, I just need to let go all of this. Mm -hmm. It's like a totally different person has arrived and that's what Mm -hmm. I tell my clients all the time look you have what you need to succeed to Mm -hmm. engage in this self-acceptance to get past this to move on already on the inside of you you just need me to pull it out Mm -hmm. because you're you haven't allowed yourself to start self accepting the things that's going on in your life Mm -hmm. and when you don't accept the things that's going on in your life you we develop horrible coping habits drug use yeah um Mm -hmm. some for some self-mutilation uh eating disorders and and these are all extreme but still those are the ones that people oh maybe that's why people my loved one or somebody is on drugs or, Mm -hmm. you know, things of that nature. But if we learn how to accept it, we can learn, we can change it because you already have what you need to change it on the inside of you. Mm -hmm. I agree. We already got all the stuff we need. Mm -hmm. We may not know how to access it, but we do already have it. Mm -hmm. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. Yeah. It's such an interesting concept. I wonder where we learn all of this stuff from somebody that was dysfunctional. And then we become the person that's dysfunctional and we pass it down to people in the next generation. Yeah. There's no thinking. Mm, Just all response, Mm -hmm. all automatic reaction, not even response because response requires you to think Think about about it. it. Mm -hmm. So it is, you know, we are very reactionary and we are not very proactive or responsive to things in a healthy manner. We're impulsive. Um, very ego driven, which Mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong with having a bit of ego because it, it is self protective but Mm -hmm. there are extremes to all of that Mm -hmm. absolutely yeah yeah but you have to be willing to experience the pain say that one more time (laughs) you have to be willing to experience the pain Mm -hmm. underline bold and italicized (laughs) Mm -hmm. because that's the that's the thing yeah and nobody wants to feel pain but it's inevitable (laughs) Like yeah. that's one of the things we're not going to be able to get past. Yeah. Mm-hmm. you. I don't ever like to say get over it because I don't think that that's healthy, but mm-hmm. you do have to grow through it mm-hmm. and growing through it, you know, gives you insight into, you know, why it happened, even if it's not a good why. Mm-hmm. Um, it gives you insight into, okay, how do I properly deal with similar situations? And eventually what ends up happening once you get to a place of, Um, acceptance is that you can heal Mm -hmm. because that's really the problem when you don't have that acceptance we're just all in this cycle of continuous torment and 
we aren't able to heal. So we're all these broken people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. When you have the power to put yourself back together. Yeah. You know, um, I did want to go further in detail into the attachment part. Okay. Mm-hmm. We did talk a lot yeah. about the material one. Um, let me get my notes. We're easy. Yeah. Attachment. Oh, that's a, a you can, topic. yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can have three or four, uh, you know, episodes just on attachment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Attachment is big, especially yeah. in the psych world. Now we're not going into like relational attachment y'all. Mm-hmm. So right. we don't want y'all to get confused. Cause y'all be like, well, y'all didn't talk about avoiding and anxious. No, mm-hmm. we're not talking about that, that level of attachment. We're mm-hmm. actually talking about more in your higher self level of attachments. And so like we talked about first was the material attachment and that's you putting a lot of, you know, attachment into the things <laughs> that are tangible, like your job, like your careers, your cars, the type of person you have on your arm, um, the look of it all. Mm-hmm. And so that don't really help you. Um, <laughs> because those things change. They yes. do. They're so, uh, what's the word I want to put there? Um, they're temporary. Thank you. You know, I was thinking they're not stable or consistent. Mm-mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's because that's one of the things that I teach my clients that I'm working with on uh, self-esteem is that we value our esteem based on external things, which is why a lot of people feel like they're on a roller coaster because the external things are temporary. Mm -hmm. If you learn how to uh, embrace the internal qualities that you have, like if you're loyal, if you're compassionate, if you're nurturing, if you're caring, you know, if you begin to highlight those things about you mm-hmm. more, that will, that's sustainable. Mm-hmm. That's more stable. And you can build your self-esteem based on that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's important that you know what your superpowers are. Yes. <laughs> yes. I have my clients do that little exercise all the time. Like, what is your superpower? And a lot of people don't know. Like, I know that one of my superpowers is being an empath. Mm-hmm. I don't like it all the time because mm-hmm. I feel everything, but it is a, a superpower if it's used correctly. Um, you know, people who normally have issues with the material, I will also say that their happiness is wrapped up in those things. Mm-hmm. Like how Dr. Strickland was talking about, if that goes away, then your whole life is over. And in reality, maybe your life is just beginning. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And I don't think people see that's what a that's where the self acceptance uh connects with the attachment mm-hmm. because if you attach yourself to that thing and it goes away, then you and you don't accept it, now you're feeling guilty or shame or some sort of negative yep. emotion. Lost. Lo- mm-hmm. And so you won't be able to and then you go out and you do something impulsively impulsively and destructive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. (laughs) Um, The next one that I found was personal attachment. And I don't want you to think that you don't have to have people in your life. But there's a difference between needing people and wanting people in your life. Needing people sound a little little toxic, a little little need to work on that. Um, (laughs) I think it's the energy from need. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I agree with that. I also, I think it depends on the, the meaning that you attach to what yes. need is. Yes. It's um from this little excerpt, it says, um, being non-attached to a person means being able to coexist with them without using them as a means to an end. In other words, personal non-attachment is not needing anyone for acceptance or validation. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I would agree with that. Because, you know, the point is that you already have that yourself. Yeah, you are the well, not the other person. Um, that's often how people get into abusive relationships, codependent, <laughs> codependent relationships. That was the first thing that came to mind. Meshment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All those sorts of things because your value is coming from this other person. You're depending on them to give you what you already actually have because you gave it away. Mm-hmm. Mm. So you have to be careful to not give it away. And that see, that's the thing that I have to work on with a lot of women. We give yeah. our power away. So then we, and then, so then we, it's easy for us to be codependent on whoever, if, if it's parents, if it's the husband or significant other, it's easy to be, become codependent when we give that power away. Mm-hmm. It's hard to, to see a couple go through this particular struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, and you often don't see it until later in their relationship. Cause they just been kind of, flying by the seat of their pants Mm -hmm. instead of like really making a conscious choice in choosing their partner. And you often have like Dr. Jones Hines said, (laughs) uh, you often have the women coming in and they're like, well, my husband is doing this and my husband is doing that. Well, you do realize he has freedom. Mm -hmm. Now I do agree. He should have communicated what he needed to change because that didn't work anymore to him Mm -hmm. for him. Excuse me. But you don't own each other. Yes. You are your own individual independent person, mm-hmm. you know, and if you don't realize that, then you do feel like, well, that was never a problem in the past. So y'all just going to be the same people y'all was at 18 that y'all are at 58. <laughs> I tell y'all people, I tell my clients <laughs> all the time. We are always growing. At least you should be. If you're not growing, what are you doing? Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And why don't you want to? Mm hmm. But yeah, you'd be surprised how many people think that they're supposed to stay the same in a relationship. Like it should always um, be this way because there's even a line in a Beyonce song that says it where she says, I'm going to keep it how it is. So you can never say how it used to be. Yeah. Like people really believe that stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, there's some element to that, but that cannot be the ba- the basis. Yeah. Because you, you, you see that as you, um, as you start dating when, when we were younger, all of us probably wanted a little roughness in the dude or whatever. It's like, Hey, yes, honey. <laughs> but then mm-hmm. as we got older, it was like, mm. don't talk to me like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's like, wait, you're not stable. Right. You and then to- as you get even older, it's like, yeah, no, I need you to have some insurance benefits and I need you to What's have a little bit of What's your retirement looking exactly. like? <laughs> so like, we, we change. You got yeah. a, you know, a 403B, a 401K. A IRA, what you got? Yeah. We got some doing? investments. Exactly. Yeah. Like, and not from a here? place of like being a gold digger, y'all. We just saying like it has to be more to life and you working on life than just what worked for you when you were a teenager. Um, for people who may struggle with personal attachment, um, you have a tendency to feel lost and alone when you don't get that love from someone. You often feel agonized for years after you are denied that love. Mm. You have a tendency to hold grudges and have a problem with forgiving people. Mm. Um, wow. Are often clingy, needy, and manipulative. Ooh. Oh, wow. Or Mm-mm. you keep people emotionally distant from you. Mm, I can mm-hmm. I, I can see all of those. I almost cussed. <laughs> you almost cussed it. I did. I almost did. I held it, mom. I did. Um, yeah, all of those. I man, 
I'm definitely not going to go into detail, but I can, uh, <laughs> like, I can think of like seven or eight clients off the top of my head. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like this, that's why we were saying earlier, this type of work is not for the, for the weak. Yeah. For the faint of heart. Mm-hmm. You know, Absolutely. you may not, you may think, oh, I'm on a, such a spiritual journey of enlightenment. No, no, no. I don't know nobody that went on a spiritual journey and they was like, oh, it was so good. Mm-hmm. No, because it's hard. It is. So every, I think I saw it on Facebook one time. I don't know if it was a meme or what, but they were saying, y'all stop. Uh, <laughs> y'all get out of here talking about, it. yes, glamorizing self-acceptance and growing and all that. That stuff is hard. It is. I have someone, of course, like I said, I'm not going to go into detail that I've been working with for probably about a year now. And she is just now at a point after a year of like hold on like I think I'm actually okay yeah like yeah and it was hard I mean this is somebody that has come every single week has rarely ever misses an appointment and these are some hard sessions you know lots of tears consistency Mm -hmm. you know I love it And, and you also have to uh keep in mind people of color who have constantly Mm-hmm. not been accepted not even just by them from themselves from a, a self per- perception is external too yeah and mm-hmm. so we have to break down all of those barriers of just self-acceptance it's not it's not even about being accepted by society mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's 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 coming y'all it ain't in this session but it's coming trust yeah. us um you know though I, I, I know you were getting ready to move on but you know just thinking about that kind of personal, you know, attachment. Mm-hmm. A lot of what we see and what we were raised to believe, you know, coincides with that as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a lot of ladies that I've uh, worked with where, you know, they observed a parent mm-hmm. who was, you know, treated poorly by yep. a spouse. Mm-hmm. And then when they go back and they look at the grandma, the grandma was treated poorly by a spouse Mm -hmm. um and then or the relationship between you know a parent and child was unhealthy Mm -hmm. so you know they just visualize it okay this is just what you this is how you live with people this is normal Yeah. yeah this is just how you are but then there comes a point where you know, as we get older and we start really thinking about stuff in a different way, because we just have, uh, excuse me, um, different experiences and different, mm-hmm. you know, we've heard different stories and gotten different perspectives where you start thinking back on some of this stuff like, wait, that wasn't that the way healthy. the way my dad did my sister. That was not healthy no. or the way my my parents were with each other. That wasn't healthy. I see that a lot mm-hmm. with my addicts. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I, I, that's the, one of the first things I do when I have, um, chil- adult children of alcoholics or addicts, I go through the symptoms. And one of the symptoms is not norm, not knowing what normalcy is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that really, you know, interferes with your ability to have health in the relationships that you have. Mm-hmm. Cause if you don't have health in one area, it's likely that you don't have it in a variety of others. It's a domino effect. So, yeah. Like if your romantic relationships are unhealthy, now this is not a guarantee of course, but there's likely to be some level of um, unhealthy in your friendships, in your coworker relationships, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of how you deal with strangers, mm-hmm. you know, you yeah. over there popping off on people because you have a sense of entitlement because that was, you know, um, t- 
taught to you or you observed mm-hmm. a sense of entitlement and taught to you could be the fact that your parents did everything for you. Mm-hmm. And it's not, it's not necessarily it don't just always have to be trauma. It do, right. It doesn't always have to be trauma. Mm-hmm. I have um, a former friend that, you know, I couldn't be friends with her anymore because she would just pop off all the time. And y'all know my little sensitive heart. I just can't take that. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's too jarring for me. And then on top of that, I'm looking like, man, why would you ever feel like it was okay to talk to me like that? Because I love you so much. Mm-hmm. And so at, at a certain point it just becomes, oh, okay, I'm not dealing with you at all. Mm-hmm. You stay over there. I'm going to stay over here. I still love you. And if there was anything you needed, I would still get it for you, but we can't have an ongoing relationship because it's just too toxic and you're not dealing with your stuff. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, because I was thinking about when you said manipulation as one of those, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, kind of resultant behaviors that if you don't learn to like we've all been saying, if you don't learn to accept you for you, flaws and all, Mm -hmm. you know, accepting that imperfections is that's deep. We've all been manipulative. We've all taken advantage of somebody. Mm -hmm. We've all put ourselves before someone else. Mm -hmm. We know we've all lied. Mm -hmm. we've all cheated Mm -hmm. you know we've all taken something that we didn't you know that we didn't wasn't ours that Mm -hmm. it wasn't ours Mm -hmm. whether that was something that needed to be paid for or you took old girl's pen off her desk i mean you know what i'm saying like (laughs) exactly (laughs) you know like we've all done stuff Mm -hmm. and that's okay it doesn't have to be a value statement it's just it is what it is (laughs) yep (laughs) <laughs> yes Michael. but what was the next one the last one um is thought attachment and most people because you know we are thoughts is this is the hardest one mm-hmm. you know because it can destroy you know your physical mm-hmm. emotional psychological and interpersonal well-being like the snap and just the snap like thanos okay mm. <laughs> um and we're not trying to have that and half the population vanishes um, right <laughs> <laughs> it tends to happen when we attach ourselves to a belief expectation preconceived notion or an idea especially if these are negative or harmful then we end up sensing um that we're walking around with a loaded gun so it's like if my thoughts don't believe like this and my whole world comes crashing down or i choose to continue to believe even though i have other proof which that's when cognitive dissonance comes in and that's that's a destruction mm-hmm. of a lot of situations um but what eventually ends up happening is that um we're not able to cope because we refuse to see the writing like it gives be- me nervous breakdown vibes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, this, it gives me vibes of when we get people that come to the office and it's like, oh, no, 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 no. You need to go inpatient. Mm-hmm. This level is not for you, you know, mm-hmm. because it shatters your world. It, your world. It ain't a real world, but it's real to you. Mm-hmm. Your perception is reality. Yeah. Boy. Especially, you know... And I'm sure you all have uh, experienced this too, especially when you have a person that that experienced trauma and you have to do the facts and beliefs based on the trauma that they experienced. And they realize that some of the stuff that they uh, remember was filled in by their story Mm -hmm. that and it's not what actually happened. Right. Like that right there is so difficult for clients like we have to tiptoe on that so delicately because mm-hmm. that is that right there opens up that Pandora's box. Yeah. It's and mm-hmm. it's because it brings 
them comfort you know it's their belief system it's their justification like it's a whole sense of order and structure and then if we're coming in not if when we come in and we're telling them that that's not what's actually going on even if what we're saying is healthy Mm -hmm. and is the healthiest option because this is comfortable and familiar they're going to fight tooth and nail Mm -hmm. I, i think one of the hardest things when i'm working with trauma um, for clients is I'm a huge, huge advocate of do not hold the child responsible mm-hmm. to who you are today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You are thinking with an adult brain. You are thinking with all of the experiences you've had since those moments, all the perspective you've gained and you're using your adult brain on what a child should be doing. When yeah. you didn't have the the knowledge base, you didn't have the experience base to be able to think and move in the way that you would today. Mm-hmm. The decisions you would make today are probably vastly different than what you would have done at five, six, seven, eight, nine, and you 14, have a whole 15. Different type of strength. Yeah, you know, a whole different resolve. Yeah. So holding the child responsible is self defeating. Mm hmm. Um, And it continues to keep you in this, you know, torture state. And now you have to remember. So although we're telling you this, this is not to replace therapy. So remember Mm -hmm. that what Dr. Strickland just described, that's a that's a phase, uh, not a phase, a stage that we have to get to because we initially have to have people to comfort the child. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If they can't, if they start off where Dr. Strickland is, that is going to mm-hmm. ruin the whole process. So it's a stage before that. That's why we tell you when, when you hear our podcast, we give you tips, but these are tips that need to be taken uh, with a trained professional. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Agreed. Um, I think something else that's important to know when you have your thought attachment is that you tend to see people using a lot of extremist or absolute type of language like good, evil, good, bad, mm-hmm. um, should, always, Those masturbations. Never. Exactly. <laughs> it's like you've created it like that so that you can keep your world safely where it is. And that ain't, that ain't good. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, because I, oh, I can't remember. I think, was that with uh, cognitive distortions, the masturbations? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if y'all go listen to that when we talk about how when you use those um absolute words, the shoulds, must, have to, and things like that, it doesn't give you room to fail. So Mm-mm. because you put that, those are demands and you put those demands on yourself and you won't allow yourself to be imperfect, you won't allow yourself to fail, and it's just it's not healthy. Nope. Mm-hmm. I think it's important like when you think of your thoughts. Um, realize that your thoughts are actually pretty free flowing. They're not like these very rigid <laughs> things. Our beliefs can become very rigid or mm-hmm. whatever, but your thoughts, they just kind of come to you. You eventually want to get to a place where you can determine your consciousness, your conscious state, like your soul, your spirit of who you are, of course. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that's that's a conversation for a whole other you know podcast session so don't be afraid of the thoughts let the thoughts like dr wild was saying just let the thoughts flow you don't Mm -hmm. have to a lot of times people become anxious because you're trying to control your thoughts just let them flow Mm -hmm. they're probably fleeting and so just do a a, um a thought dump journal or something so that you can get the thoughts out it doesn't mean that you believe them it doesn't mean that it's realistic or your reality it's just thoughts 
Yeah. yeah. When I give journaling as a, I even hate to use the word homework, but when I talk with people about using um, journaling as a coping uh, strategy, the first thing almost 99% of the time out of their mouth is, I don't know what to write. And I tell them, just write that. Mm-hmm. Like, that's literally what you start with. I don't know what to write. It's not a right or wrong. Uh, yeah. And I say, and your brain will start to fill in the rest. Like, yeah, it doesn't it, have to make sense mm-hmm. to anybody but you. Yeah. I yeah. say, it's not like I'm going to read it unless there's something specific you want to bring into session and you want me to, you know, kind of hear your thought process over it. Uh, but, you know, these are your private thoughts. So you mm-hmm. literally just start writing. It could be, you know, I think this is stupid. Yes. Okay, just write that. And then again, you're journaling. Yeah, your brain will just start filling in stuff and it'll eventually it will go where it wants and needs to go. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I did want to make sure we give, you know, the thought attachment uh, symptoms or what you may do if this is an area that you struggle in. You tend to try and figure everything out all the time. Believe certain cultures or groups of people are all alike are quite hard. Don't you skate over <laughs> that one. Say that one like two more times. Believe certain cultures or groups of people are all alike. Mm. Believe <laughs> certain cultures or groups of people are all alike, are quite hard and judgmental towards yourself and thus are hard and judgmental towards others. You stereotype people easily believe people in situations are either entirely good entirely bad entirely right or entirely wrong you tend to see the world in black and white cognitive distortions Mm -hmm. go back and listen to that session exactly often get lost in your head your thoughts seem to possess you and uh, feel controlled by your thoughts they can easily make you extremely sad bitter angry or jealous Hmm. man that's a whole lot of uh Mm. unhealthiness with that mm-hmm. but yeah. you can work on it you can you, you can, can. absolutely i think it's important to know that you know we may have brought up a lot of stuff in this session but it doesn't mean that you have to stay stuck there which is the whole purpose of the session you you're working towards radical self-acceptance and mm-hmm. non-attachment mm-hmm. but if you don't have awareness of what you're doing you don't know how to go forward yeah and I support what, you know, Dr. Jones Hines was saying, find a mental health professional that you trust. And yeah. that can be any level of mental health professional. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, specifically what we are titled as, um, mm-hmm. you know, find someone that you connect with and then look at the training. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because we're all pretty much trained in the same stuff, mm-hmm. but you want to first be able to have a relationship and connect with this person um, and feel that they are genuinely working with you towards whatever goal you're trying to achieve. And then from there you start assessing, do they have the ability to help me get there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I do want to, you know, make sure we leave us with some ways to kind of work on you know, attachment and acceptance and things of that nature. So the first one is to stop looking for happiness in external things. Mm -hmm. Please. And thank you. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. 
Uh, and we want to make that distinction, you know, that Dr. Wallace saying is looking for happiness in those things. This is not to say that you cannot be happy with those things. Mm-hmm. You can be happy getting a, a better job and making mm, yes. more money. You can be happy, um, you know, partnering with somebody. You can be happy, you know, with uh, a variety of things. Mm-hmm. But attaching your happiness to that and finding that that then communicates who I am as a person. That's the thing you want to avoid. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next one is let go of the shoulds and the musts, which y'all have heard this from us before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We won't bore you with that. It's like one or two lesson. <laughs> go back and listen to cognitive, cognitive distortions. Mm-hmm. Yes. The next one is practice allowing. And for y'all that don't know what allowing is, allowing is about permitting life to be just as it is, whether it's your thoughts, whether it's your emotions, your actions. Now you still have to be accountable for them. So don't just be out here turning to, you know, a sociopath or something, <laughs> but you know, allowing it gives you some self-compassion. And that's what a lot of times we see that our clients are lacking in that area. And that's a lot of times why people can't forgive or have a difficult time forgiving because you can't allow yourself to be okay in your self-acceptance and you, Mm -hmm. and then begin to embrace your faults and imperfections because then you'll realize that other people have the same. Mm -hmm. Yep. The next one is make friends with uncertainty. And that's a hard one especially if you are a control freak (laughs) Mm -hmm. because you have fear and you want to be able to predict how this is going to happen or whatever. And sometimes you just need to make an educated guess and And, do it. And this is difficult for um, higher learning individuals. Yes. Because we, especially if you've gone as far as we went, because we have to control a lot of stuff like, you know what time mm-hmm. we gonna go to class what time we go to work to our first job then what time we go to our second job when we're gonna study when we're gonna write the report when we're gonna work on our dissertation well, you know so we have a lot of mm-hmm. things that we have to control and once I know for me once I graduated I had a difficult time letting it go it's a hard adjustment mm-hmm. but the reality is the more you resist uncertainty the more paranoid and anxious and tense and mm-hmm. all the other craziness that comes with that you become like you have to let go it and it actually allows you to be more playful the way we used to be as kids unless you of course had a traumatic childhood or something like that but it allows you to go back to that inner child self which is needed at times Mm -hmm. absolutely I think that you know while this is not specifically the law of attraction um Mm -hmm. but in a very kind of cursory kind of way it makes me think about the law of attraction. The more you fight something, the more that thing is going to find you. Mm, gotcha. That's good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The next one is to learn to observe your thoughts and feelings. And that requires a stillness that not a lot of us have mm-hmm. because you want to automatically go into fix it mode when you first need to figure out what it is. So if I'm tense, okay, why am I tense? Like I I can tell right now, I know I'm tense in my body because of what has happened recently with Mm. my family. And so I don't need to do anything about that. I just, I have to experience it until my body releases it, until my emotions get to a place of um, being okay. Mm -hmm. And I know that's that's going to be a while. That's a good example. Yeah. Something that I usually, and if I have any clients that listen to the podcast, they've probably heard me say this, acknowledge honor and put it away Mm -hmm. because first you have to 
acknowledge that you're feeling something, mm-hmm. but then give it space. Let it be there. It's okay. You know, we've said before, feelings are not going to necessarily, mm-hmm. you know, delete you. Um, they don't feel good, but it's what you do with the feelings that ends up being unhealthy. Mm-hmm. So acknowledge them, honor them, but you can't stay there. Mm-hmm. No. And when you allow yourself to honor those negative emotions, the pain, the shame, the guilt, and all those things, you can allow yourself to honor the positive ones too, the love, the satisfaction, the, you know, Mm -hmm. happiness and joy, you know, it allows you to experience those as well. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Holding space for yourself is an important step Mm -hmm. in getting to that higher self. Uh, The next one is see how transient all things are. And by transient, we mean nothing is forever. Mm. Yeah. This too shall pass. Mm -hmm. Even the pyramids, they, they a little weathered, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So, you know, er, things happen in cycles, you know, it's not always going to be the way it is, even though that's the way we have trained ourselves to think of the world around us. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I really need uh, our our teenagers to hear that because mm-hmm. this generation coming up, they seem to have the most difficult time with pain mm-hmm. or discomfort. I don't, it don't even necessarily have to be pain. It can just be discomfort. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Things not going according to plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, yeah. I see a lot of that. Mm-hmm. That's very hard. You know, there's only a couple of things that are definite in life. And that's change. Um, and that's the end. Mm-hmm. Those are the only two things that are 100% guaranteed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the end is figurative, you know, in some instances, because we don't know what comes after that. Well, that's the true. physical plane, the I mean. physical. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the one you can touch. Yeah. In the physical plane, you know, but though that's it outside of that. Everything else is fluid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And. I added one and that's really to learn to love yourself mm. unconditionally. Mm-hmm. And that Self-love. is a hard one. Mm-hmm. Cause you got to figure out what is your definition of love? That part. Cause it means something <laughs> different to everybody. There mm-hmm. are 7 billion people on this planet and 7 billion definitions of love. Mm-hmm. So go on our arrows page. We put some <laughs> on there. <laughs> Just to give you a little, you know, a little, a little some, few, some, you know, <laughs> if, you, if you want to follow another page, the arrows workshop, you know, uh, <laughs> I did want to ask y'all a question. What do y'all feel has been one of the hardest things for you working on radical self-acceptance or non-attachment? I was actually thinking that when you were reading them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and at first I was like, mm-hmm, that one. And then you read the next one and I was like, yep, that one. And then you read the last one. I was like, mm-hmm, that one. <laughs> uh, but if I had to like hammer down, um, I would say for me, it's thought attachment. Okay. Uh, just being a thinker, yeah. you know, and kind of once something is there, mm-hmm. sometimes it's very hard for that idea or what mm-hmm. I want or how I think something should be or, you know, how it was supposed to go. It's hard to, you know, let that go and that that's just not what it's going to be. Um, gotcha. That'll probably be my number one. And then a back door to that one would be the personal one. Read the personal one again. Uh, personal has to do with 
how you attach yourself to those around you. Mm. Um, yeah, that one was kind of like the value that you place in other people mm-hmm. and, um, you know, that idea of needing them versus the ability to coexist with them instead of being enmeshed mm. with them. Mm-hmm. So I would have to say that mine was the black and white thinking one. Mm-hmm. That's the oh. thought attachment. Mm-hmm. Is it thought? Okay. Well, thought attachment then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I, I, I guess I could say I relate to the black and white thinking part. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I grew up in the church, so it was, that's what it was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, and then I would have to say the personal one, but I think the personal one came later in life and I just, um, broke away from that. Mm. <laughs> Y'all gotcha. know what I'm talking about. I don't want to say it on the mm-hmm. podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. I got you. Understandable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would think my, that's why I say I feel like my personal one is like a back door or like, you mm-hmm. know, like a um, a secondary because it's not as strong as it probably was when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think as I became more educated, m- more, um, my, the way I thought about the world changed, you know, the way I think has changed. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's, it's slowly transitioned over to be more of the, the thought one. Yeah. I think my, the thought one for me, it, um, it started changing when I was in college. Cause you know, I, when our, my generation, we were still being taught <laughs> uh, critical thinking. So I didn't Ours have to. Ours too. Okay. So <laughs> we had to start thinking outside of the black mm-hmm. and white. However, I, I, it was a lot of that that still stayed with me because I still stay connected. Not that I'm not connected to the church now, but I just have a, a broadened way of thinking. A deeper understanding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what was the third one? Material. Material. I was thinking my head said monetary, but I was like, that wasn't right. <laughs> Material. Yeah. I don't think I was ever a person uh, to attach my um, being to materials. So I will say not like material items for me. Um, like, you know, uh, a watch or, a, you know, like a set of mm-hmm. clothing. But I think at one point in time, I did attach it to my career. The prestige part. Some, I can agree some with that. Pres, some prestige. Um, and yeah, that in some ways I felt at certain times in my life that it defined who I was. Mm, okay. um, I don't necessarily feel that way anymore. See, I wonder if it changed. Because like I think in anybody, and this is just my assumption, that goes to get a doctorate degree at first when you graduate, it's like, shoot, I'm a doctor up in this joint, you know? Mm-hmm. But then as you, I mean, we've, we graduated what, 2011. Yeah. So now it's kind of, I'm used to it. So it's like, eh, call me a little funny. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I don't feel that drive like I did maybe mm-hmm. several years ago mm-hmm. and maybe not even that far back as 2011, but maybe even 2015. Um, but so I do think that at one point in time mm-hmm. I did have that one, but it now it's more, transition to I like these things versus they are mm-hmm. a part of me mm-hmm. you know yeah. what I'm saying learn how to separate sense. them mm-hmm. yeah I with with the whole material one for me I feel like I used to use that as like a a way to protect myself especially being you know a black woman um 
people want to tug on you. Um, mm-hmm. And that's just the reality of where we live. And I always have to go into it's doctor wall. Mm-hmm. And I've gotten to a place where I'm like, well, they can think whatever they want to think. If they want to act a fool and show everybody that they a fool. But that that take a lot because I, the rah-rah <laughs> in me want to come out. Be sitting waiting. <laughs> it do. But I would definitely say um, along the same lines as y'all is the thought attachment. Because um, it took me a really long time to be like, I'm enough. Mm-hmm. and then a long time for me to realize that I'm okay even if I'm not okay in this a situation because mm-hmm. um, y'all know this I, I battled depression when I was younger and so that can really take its toll on how you see the world how you see yourself mm-hmm. um, and then I'm I'm also a very uh, because I was so so much of an empath I had shut my emotions off for a certain part of my life so getting reattached to them is really what (laughs) probably helped me Mm. instead of being just in this spiral of numbness Mm. Mm -hmm. that makes sense yeah Mm -hmm. so we're all uh head people Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) well pun intended I'm sorry sorry, (laughs) they walked into that one (laughs) Yeah, it, you know, anybody that's listened to this session realize, you know, it's a journey. It's not a destination. It's going to take time to get to the higher self. And then there probably will be another higher self that you get to eventually because it's, you're ever evolving. Mm-hmm. It's not just like this one thing. Mm-hmm. And you have to understand, too, the although we were able to identify where we are with this whole process you have to understand that we went through years and years of school. So a lot of this stuff we've been able to process and be able mm-hmm. to, and was able to begin to work on. Like it's just that we didn't wake up knowing that this was where we were. Mm-hmm. And we still work. And we, on st- it. exactly. <laughs> We're still working. We still work on it and we do therapy. Mm-hmm. So even through what we teach or guide our clients or support our clients through we are also learning, you know, in those sessions with our clients, you know, sometimes clients can say things and it's like, oh, wow, I hadn't, I hadn't thought of this Mm -hmm. thing that way. Mm -hmm. And then we gain a new perspective. And then we go back and reflect on that. And how Mm -hmm. does that relate to our lives? You know, we're not all knowing, uh, or all powerful. So there's things that we consistently learn through observation and and dealing with our clients I think that has also helped us over the years um in how to gain perspective as well and we have to do a lot of research still and we have to do a lot of reading and so in that we we teach each other too Mm -hmm. did y'all read this (laughs) did y'all hear about this you know so we're always researching and we're always reading so that when we find something that relates to us we apply it to our life too because we one we have to understand what it takes for our clients to have to actually apply the stuff that we're teaching them so if we're not doing work on ourselves we're not we're we're not understanding what our clients are experiencing when we're teaching them to do things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ain't no hypocrites over here. Mm-hmm. Nope. <laughs> no. We're always working on ourselves mm-hmm. for sure. Well, y'all know we like to close out with some good old <laughs> quotes, mm-hmm. words of wisdom, and so y'all technically have heard it the whole time, 
And that is, it is what it is. And that's an old, you know, African American <laughs> proverb. Or you can say, you know, okay, Sarah, Sarah, whatever will be, will be. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. So, okay, interns, process your notes. Be sure to catch us next session and find us on all major platforms at The Recycled Podcast. If you're a new intern, be sure to like, comment, subscribe, and share. Thanks for listening. And remember, we are shifting and reshaping our psyche through healing conversations and connections, one discussion at a time.